Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. We are Heather, Meredith, Dana, and Tracy, four women recovering out loud. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Sober Chicks. Dana here, and I am here with Heather, Meredith, and Tracy. And we have a fantastic interview lined up for you today with Hallie Edelman. I'm going to read her bio here. Uh, Hallie is a writer, filmmaker, and co-founder of World of HA Productions. She is an executive producer on the Emmy-winning documentary, The Social Dilemma, and the Oscar-nominated international film, Writing with Fire. Other titles include the Academy shortlisted The Truffle Hunters, the Sundance premiere, US Kids or Us Kids, and the recently released Art and Crimes by Crimes. In 2022, Sundance TV premiered Our American Family, a Philadelphia-based documentary that Edelman co-directed and produced with Sean King O'Grady. Our American Family is a radically honest, unfiltered portrait of a local family fighting back against generational addiction as their oldest daughter works through works to achieve long-term sobriety after having been to over 17 treatment programs. A story with an inspiring ending, this film captures how early recovery impacts all members of a family and explores the strength of families who try to make genuine change for their next generation. The film won the Audience Award for Best Feature Documentary at the 2021 Woodstock Film Festival, was selected for deadlines for the Love of Docs screening series by National Geographic, and is available for streaming on various platforms like AMC+, Apple iTunes, Amazon, and YouTube. Edelman also writes children's books, including the Great Big Feelings series and serves various organizations and schools in Philadelphia, where she resides with her husband, daughters, and dogs. And we will have all of her contact information up when we post this episode. So you will be able to find her on Instagram or Facebook and follow her and absolutely please do watch the documentary. So with that, Hallie, we are handing it over to you. Ah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me and for, you know, just featuring so many people to empower others. So I'm just humbled to be here and, and I'm excited. Um, I know Dana, you were asking me earlier kind of to tell you how this documentary came to be, how our American family is even a thing. And, um, so I guess I can tell you a little bit about that. Um, you did mention that this was a local family. So, uh, yay to all our Philly peeps and surrounding areas. Um, I was lucky enough to know Linda, who's the mom in our American family and also the mom of her actual <laughs> family, um, through yoga and massage. And Linda always just struck me as just such a fierce, amazing woman. And throughout our conversations, I learned that Linda, um, also had come from a family who had struggled with addiction and 
that two of her three children were struggling with addiction and, um, you know, had moved into um, using substances like opioids. And, um, you know, we talked a lot, you know, I was working on a children's book at the time um, that I thought, you know, would have a sibling that was struggling with addiction and, and a sibling who was not. And thinking about like just the impact of of any hardship, not just addiction, of any hardship on an individual struggling, but also on family members. And um, Linda and I talked about that a lot. And she suggested that I meet two of her children, her oldest daughter, who um, is in our American family. That's Nicole. She had, as you had mentioned in the bio, um, been to over 17 treatment centers. And her youngest um, brother, um, Stephen, who you know, was um, impacted by Nicole's struggles and the family's history and um, was trying to find his way and trying to figure out how he didn't have to pretend he was perfect all the time, you know, even though there was stuff going on in the family. So after I met them, we really stayed close and connected for years. Um, we got to a point years later, probably over eight years later, where, um, you know, the family was at a point where they were like, what are we gonna do here? You know, Nicole had suffered an overdose that took six Narcan to save her. The only reason they pushed six is because Linda showed up at the scene screaming, please save my daughter. And um, Nicole wanted to help people, couldn't help herself. The family was like enough of the of the media and, and people struggling being portrayed as, um, you know, junkies or as, you know, people who shouldn't, you know, aren't worth anything and aren't trying hard. And um, I honestly don't know how, I mean, we talked, started talking about documentary film after we talked about writing and, and I don't even know, like L Linda and I laugh all the time. Like, how is this even a thing? How did we wind up here? But we just put one foot in front of the other and um, created a documentary, hopefully to serve families. That's amazing. That's a, it's an amazing story. And you, do you have any addiction in your family at all? Or is this all just coming from her, her story? I mean, there were, there was some mental health in my family. You know, my sister struggles with depression. Um, so for me, I could connect on the feelings level to Linda on how you can have someone that you're so close with. Um, be afflicted with something that you really can't do anything about. So I think for me, the connection um, to Linda and her family story started with that connection of how can you help someone who like you can't change things for them? Um, that was, I think, our 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 like lacing point together. Um, but from there, then I realized like one of my cousins, her husband, he would show up. Sometimes he'd be in like a great mood and sometimes he'd kind of not be in a great mood. He was really moody. Um, we found out that he was struggling with um, an opioid addiction. He's since passed away. Um, so I think, you know, through our connection and through um, picking things open, I think I realized that there this was closer to me than I than I knew. Um, yeah. 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 I feel like any, anything like that tends to open your eyes. Cause I, I feel like we live in this 
kind of little bubble tunnel vision. You know, we're focused on our family and, you know, immediate family and work and the whole nine. And then once you start to open your eyes, not only do you kind of look introspective of, oh, wow, like this is actually also impacting my family. But then in turn, you look around and the amount of people who struggle with this on a daily basis is mind blowing Mm. to the point where I feel like for us, you know, doing this podcast, it's our one attempt to kind of expose that of being like, don't shut your eyes to this anymore. Like this is out there. It's a massive problem and addiction I don't, I mean, whether it's opioids to alcohol, to porn, I mean, the list can go on and on. Our world and addiction is such in a tangled mess right now. Um, And and COVID just blew it up, you, you know, to the point where people were going outside and maybe being with their friends and doing all these things. And now they're inside and it's, it's gone tenfold. Um, So I feel like just the exposure alone um is massive for the movement that we're that we're starting to see so i think that that's for you to be able to kind of attest to that of being like no and it obviously took you a long time to get to the point where like we need to actually do something with this um cuz if it helps one person it was worth it was worth the time Yeah, absolutely. And it's true. I mean, I see, you know, helping. It's nice because we've been doing impact screenings now and there are so many families, like when you talk about COVID and you talk about like, you know, I saw you guys also posted that statistic of like one in eight kids are, you know, living in homes where there are substance abuse disorders. And that's just what people are like, that's just what's being reported, right? I mean, how many people are hiding this still, are not talking about this still? And I think that's what this family was so impassioned about. They they were like, enough of this like fake sensationalized story. Like this is not what's happening. We don't need to have like put out movies where everybody's going to be the edge of their seat waiting for someone to have a needle in their arm or to overdose. Like she's like, you know, Nicole really said um, over and over, like, can we show the nitty gritty of addiction? And that is not like the dramatized version. It's what is happening in interactions at home, what is happening like underneath the the surface and what emotions are are there or not there that are contributing to being able to cope, being able to to live in a better way. Like, you know, what is really going on here? And and that was what the family was like. Let's let enough of this hiding, like enough of this shame. Like, let's let's do something, even if it's just making people feel more comfortable to be in their own skin. Yeah, I so I watched the trailer. I was not able to watch the documentary. I will someday. And I was bawling from it because it is way too close. This was you know, I lost my mother to addiction and then I was adopted into a family with equally just as much addiction. And that was um, what you depicted was a big part of my young adulthood. And uh, we we lost a member of our family to a fentanyl overdose. And um, But that's my reality. And I forget that not everyone grew up like that, like that that's not normal. I also grew up in Pittsburgh, so I, I have a fondness for the area as well. Um, that that's not kind of 
typical, right? And so I also see all the dimensions of addiction. I see all of the vulnerabilities. I see all of the um, the struggles. And, and I think that even in the pieces that I saw and what you've talked about, the complexity of it, that like, um, it's a very, very complicated and difficult path for any family. And every family member plays a role in that because they're, that's kind of how the family starts to function. So my question for you is, I know she has successfully uh, gotten and sustained recovery. So how is the family now? How are they, you know, today, since you um, obviously have a friendship with them and, and if you could comment about that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I like for them to share where they are in their own journey, but just to bring you up to date um, to the best that I can is, um, you know, I know that the family has expressed to me that um, they, I think they were and are just grateful to have seen themselves in a different way and to be able to speak their truths. I think that was really freeing for them. Um, you know, Linda is, I don't know if I'm allowed to say badass on your podcast, but Linda, the mom, she's such a badass. I mean, she is really committed to helping other, other moms, to helping other grandmoms um, who are raising grandchildren, who are um, people in the community. Like she is really, she's, she's trying to write her story. She's trying to really think back to how did she feel as a child whose mom was struggling with addiction? How did she minimize signs in her own children? So she's really trying to do a deep dive into herself and share what she learns at every step of the way. Um, you know, Brian, um, the stepfather in the film, really um, being able to be a voice of like, what does it look like to have a lot of resentments, but also really have a lot of love? You know, he's also doing speaking engagements for the community. And Stephen, like we said earlier, you know, the youngest brother, like how to feel like you can let your hair down. You can say, oh, hey, I'm having an issue this week that's unrelated, but like it's still an issue. Like, can I still say what's what's true in my world? You know, um, Chris has has struggled and he's on a better path now that middle brother. Um, he's trying to you know, get himself strong. And we see him in the film really expressing a lot of frustration toward his sister and the family dynamic. Um, how can he continue to strengthen himself? And and Nicole will, will say like, you know, yes, she's achieved over five years of sobriety, which is unbelievable given she was like literally overdosing like four times a year when we started filming. So, um, and she has been to a ton of treatment centers, but she is very careful to still like to say like, here's where I am. Like she doesn't want to be filled with pride over it because she knows that every day is a struggle. And she knows that, you know, she came from um, a family that this is in their tissues. Um, but at the same time, they're all trying and will continue to try no matter what happens in their journey. I think what they've learned is they're going to be quicker if they stumble, if they have an issue to kind of identify it and and move past it like they're not as afraid of if someone stumbles now they're like okay look what we can achieve when we support each other and when you support yourself and when you deal with your own shit 
Yeah. And that is the essence of recovery, right? Dealing with life on life's terms, you know, as a, as inactive addiction, you don't want to deal with anything. You just want to numb. You just, you don't think you're capable. You don't think you have the strength. And that is what I learned in recovery is that I can get through anything as long as I don't pick up, as long as I use my tools, even if I don't use them well some days, but that I do the next right thing. And that's what we're trying, the message we're trying to spread because um, that's the, where the hope lies. That's where the hope grows and that's where um, growth changes and, and, and people can change, you know, people can change. We have to change this idea that addiction only looks one way. um, And that it's, it's this, like you said before, like, um, you know, this street person or this person that's homeless or, you know, it addiction looks a variety of different ways and it has cycles and it's, um, it's, it's elusive, you know? And so if we can kind of put a lot of different faces on it and a lot of different recovery ways on it, then we open those doors to different people to see themselves and to see the possibilities. So thank you for your work and for that family's incredible vulnerability, you know, to incredible. do that. Incredible. I mean, incredible. They were, I mean, you'll see, they were so vulnerable. Like we were there for some of their biggest fights. I mean, for some of their most heartwarming moments, like to see Brian who had so much resentment. I mean, he and Linda were raising Nicole's daughter, like had so much resentment to see him go from like, not really not even wanting Nicole around to like seeing her making progress on her own. Like being able to notice the changes in her, like there was an overdose in her house and she didn't want to go back to the recovery house to try to find drugs. Like that was different for her. So, but being able to see him give her credit for those things and like hug her and want to spend time with her, like being able to see that live in the film and in person, because I was blessed to be with them during those times. It's really moving. Like you know, and Nicole was like, she wanted a different life. Like she didn't want to be in this cycle over and over. Like she didn't know herself. She didn't like herself, like to see her find things about herself that she liked. Like she's one of the most organized people I've ever met. And she's like, it's pretty amazing. She's like, she, she's like, oh, it's my OCD. Well, let me tell you something. This level of OCD is like totally incredible because she's organized and she's like loving even at her worst moments, like to see her be so sweet. Like, I don't know if you saw in the film, our American family, like on, like there's moments with her, like at the table with her daughter, like playing with grapes. And she was like in such a bad place, but she was like, just being sweet and loving, like being able to laugh after a big fight. And like, I don't know, she she's magical. Her family's like incredible. Like there's a lot of strength in her and her family to not just do what they did, but to go day to day. And I think other families who are in the community and other families that are struggling with other things know that it takes a lot of strength for families to face challenges and be there like good times and bad. And absolutely. And I think that you helped them change that, you know, generational addiction the pattern of it, right? The hiding and the shame, like they were, they had to do something different. And, and, and you, you were part of that opportunity to do something different, to recover out loud, to put it out there, 
to try something different uh, so because the old, same old, same old wasn't working. And I know in my family, there's addiction galore, you know, and it's just not talked about or, you know, or just, you know, there's nothing we can do. There's no solution. So my question to you is, you know, being a part of that, but not having that same kind of history or, you know, some that same circumstance to really um, compare yourself to um, what, what have you learned in this, in this journey? Oh my gosh. I mean, I've learned so much. I mean, I've learned a lot about strength. Um, what, what a strong look like, like this strong mm -hmm. mean like the perfect ending or does strong mean like just standing back up over and over again. So I've learned a lot about strength. I've learned a lot about the power of honesty, like not just um, with other people, but also within oneself. Like, is it okay to say, oh, hey, my sister struggles with depression? Like, is it okay to say, like, what real pieces of our stories can we be honest about? To like take, it's funny with creative work, if something gets too intense, like, you know, if you want it so bad, like if there's a tension within it, like it's not as good as if you're creating from a lighthearted space. And I think the same is true with anything people are struggling with. So, and I think sometimes staying quiet creates that intensity, like shame creates that intensity. Like it's the same type of thing in my mind, you know, and um, how to get people from that state of full tension and embarrassment and shame and whatever, like what will it take to, to find answers from a lighthearted space? And in some cases I do see um, like honesty and truth as, as a vehicle to get from one place to the next. Also, I learned a lot about how people cope. Um, you know, the difference, like some people feel better when they get things out through their bodies like physical activity. And, you know, Linda does a lot of yoga and massage and Chris throughout the film was weightlifting a lot to an intense degree. You know, what helps people? Like some people like, you know, hanging out with someone and that's what like makes them feel better or talking. And like, I do that a lot with my children's books too, like giving kids questions for like, what will make you feel better there? It can be more than one thing, but like, I learned a lot about different methods that people to use. Um, but I've learned so many things, like seriously, I could like just talk about like learning for a really long time. I love that. Yeah. And how I learned did it take like, how to make a documentary. <laughs> well, I think you knew how I to know. do that. <laughs> but um, how long did the documentary take? Um, well, it took a long time. I mean, we filmed for a year. We filmed from um, December 2017 to December 2018. Um, and then we were thankfully editing by the time we we're in COVID. So when we were in lockdown, we were blessed to be able to be at a distance with our editor and you know some team members so that we could continue working on the project. And then the film premiered at Woodstock Film Festival, as you guys mentioned, in um, the fall of 2021. So it took it took a while. I mean, we did we worked on the composition and the score with it with Gil Tommy, like an amazing composer. Like we've had great people on the team. So like it took time to um, to put it together and also be thoughtful and also figure out how to support the family while they were waiting and while they were 
oh, did we do the right thing? Oh no, like what the heck did we do? And are you are you sure this film's a good idea? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> are we? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have a quick question. Um, so when you guys started filming, Nicole was in active addiction, correct? Nicole was in like very early stages of recovery. Okay. It was very early. Like she, I think we started filming when she was almost three months. Okay. So you started in that, like, I, I would call it the witching hour. <laughs> Yes. of like where you are literally an hour at a time a day at yes. a time in a struggle okay um what kind of response like have you guys gotten from the public has it been educational has it been I mean obviously I'm assuming it's going to be an eye-opener to a lot of people like for us even you know we're four women who are in active addiction it's still an eye-opener to us but I'm just curious on what kind of response you've gotten from the public. We've gotten a great, I mean, first of all, I think a lot of people whose family has addiction in it are really grateful for the film because they feel like it's finally like something honest, like finally something real. I think that's that's probably one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we get is like, okay, finally, or okay, I could connect to this because my parents struggled with addiction, or I can connect to this because my brother struggled with addiction. I think at the same time, um, people acknowledge that it's hard. Like it's hard to watch, even though we have a hopeful ending and we know that, um, you know, Nicole winds up achieving long-term sobriety for the first time and maintains that. It's hard because being in a family with addiction, if we're going to be honest about it, is hard. So, you know, we tried to, instead of making you feel like you're a fly on a wall, we tried to make you feel like you were in that family. And I think being in that family was sometimes tough. And so I think that's another um, piece of feedback that we've received. I think also, um, you know, we've gotten thank yous from different types of venues, like recovery houses are so excited to show it to people who are in early recovery so that they can connect and say like, oh my gosh, like I, I get this phase. This is where I am right now. And same with their families. But we've also gotten great response. Like we were recently just at Children's Hospital sharing the film with their doctors and they got to talk to the family afterward for like, how do we provide better care? Like we see what you were going through what experience have you had when you were trying to get treated in a hospital or when something happened, like, what do we need to do to be better? Um, you know, legislate legislative bodies are like, okay, well, how can we learn more about this from families who are dealing with things? So I think it's been a great range. I haven't had anybody say like, we hated the film because I think people just really are appreciating how raw it is and how truthful it is. Well, and I feel this day and age, no matter really what the issue is, the vulnerability that it takes to pull that curtain back. One, I personally think is the first step to healing. I mean, whether you've got someone in active addiction or, I mean, I was obsessed with um, intervention, the show intervention, but that was like active people in addiction. You watched 
the intervention happened. You watched some choose long-term sobriety. You watched some that were right back in that vicious cycle. But at the end of the day, like that's reality. I, I feel like we are so consumed with unreal, like reality is not what we see on social media. Reality is not what we are constantly exposed to. This type of reality, I think draws more people in whether they've got addiction issues, generational addiction, you know, the whole nine, because it's real. I think people can tangibly be like, wow, that is a real situation going on. There's no drama. There's like, obviously there's drama, but there's no filters. There's no script. There's nothing like that. And we're wanting, I think as humans, we want that reality check of these are actual, like I'm actually seeing real people <laughs> in real situations who are vulnerable enough to pull that curtain of their reality back. And I think it pushes on people too, to be like, what reality do I want to start to expose or, you know, start to share with my family or with the world or with a friend who I know whose brother is an addict, you know, like, I think it just creates as a human, like us as humans, so much more connection when we can be that vulnerable and that real. So I think that's, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And I was really blessed. Like, you know, when I met Sean, I knew he was right to work with, with the family. Cause it, he came in with like, um, everybody who came in, like our cinematographer, Seamus, uh, um, Seamus Tierney, um, you know, Cruz Gramatica was our sound person. Tiago Zelski was our AP, but everybody came in. There was one requirement I think that I had that Sean also agreed with was like, you're going to show up with love. You're going to show up with like a non-judgmental attitude. Like you're going to show up with like just genuine care for the family. Like we wanted them to feel so safe. You know, we wanted them to know like, if there's something that's going past your comfort level, tell us, like, you're already doing so much. Like at one point, Steven didn't want to um, have one of his meetings shared. He thought it would feel kind of weird and like, it didn't feel co fully comfortable for him with his, like the group that he was with. So we we're like, no problem. Like you, there's nothing that we have to push here. Like there's like, let's meet you where you are and, and create the film that like you want also, like, this is like, let's just make this filled with love. So I think no matter what, that's the other thing that I think we've gotten feedback on is just the appreciation for how honest, but also delicate that it felt. And, and we take pride, we do take pride in that. We, we wanted it to feel like there was so much love surrounding this project and this family. And you could feel it, you could feel it through the documentary when you watched it. Um, and I just recently watched it. So it's like going through my head <laughs> as everything. And I, I, for some reason, as a step parent, but I, the, the, uh, my children there, they don't have any addiction issues, but as a step parent, the amount of love that he put out for that family, no matter how hard it was. Like he even said in the beginning, like he, he likes to fix things. So that's what he thought. He thought he could come into this family and fix everybody and everything would be great. And it didn't turn out that way. 
<laughs> um, and as frustrated as he was, um, he always had that you could see the love that was still there. And the the one car ride when the family went to Vegas and took the, you know, took G, the who's the daughter of Nicole to Vegas over her third birthday, which really created a huge chaotic scene with the family. But that little bonding in the car, that moment that they were going to meet another family member for dinner and the two of them talking um, and realizing, you know, it was great that we stayed back. We drew the long straws. We got we got the good end of the deal. We're not in Vegas. We're, we're doing good here. And I think that seemed to be like a turning point. It, did that, is that what it seemed like for him too? Is, is, was that kind of a turning point? Was it, I know she was still in the throes of emotion and trying to grasp being a mother and, and wanting more out of that motherhood with her child. Um, but it seemed like that's where the, the tide started to turn slowly for Brian and his relationship with Nicole. Did yeah. You I mean, Brian well? is so amazing. Brian is so amazing. I mean, he really is because he's very like straightforward and he doesn't, he's like a kind of a quiet guy, like obviously not in the film, but mm -hmm. he's kind of a quiet guy and he's really straightforward. So like it, you know, it, I think it seemed like, well, when Nicole was messing up and at that time it felt like she was messing up, you know, a lot, like he, he didn't have the patience for it. He was like, no, like, this isn't right. This isn't okay. No, no, no. But like, I think what he needed to see from her is that she was going to take steps too. Like, I think he didn't want all the steps to be like, Linda's such a loving mom. And it was, it's hard for her to not like, she's work, she works on all the time, like not jump in, not want to fix things, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, for him, it was like when he saw that it was Nicole taking certain steps, like mm -hmm. he was predicting, I don't know if you remember, there was a scene of the two of Brian and Linda in a restaurant where Linda's like, I think something's different this time. And he's like, well, you always say that. And she, and he was like, well, here's what's going to happen. Like, she's going to move to a new house and she's going to start, you know, blaming everybody and everything's going to da, da, da. Like, that's what he was anticipating. So when she moved to a new house and she wasn't blaming everybody and she was staying away when things were a challenge and she was seeing her daughter, like seeing her daughter and being present more, like when, when all of those things that Nicole said she was going to try to do started happening, he, he really did say, okay, I'm giving you credit kind of immediately. Like he really was quickly quick to loosen his frustration, which was, which was surprising to see. It's funny because Linda was telling me the two of them recently did a speaking engagement they, where they screened the film at a recovery center. And she's like, gosh, they were so hard on Brian because they were so mad that he was like, nope, I'm not budging when things are the way they, they are. Like I'm only budging when I see steps being taken forward. And yeah. But he did. And like the two of them are great together. Like I love seeing the two of Nicole and Brian talk because they have like a great banter. And like you can see, like you said, the love was always there. It was just, you know, I think he wanted to maybe hold it a little bit because he had his own feelings and he wanted to give her room to step in to the relationship too. Thank you for that. I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was an amazing portrayal of, of like kind of the timeline that you see in this short amount of time. So appreciate that.
Oh, I appreciate it too. That is another piece of feedback that we got. Brian is so amazing. And Brian loves when we talk about it. I'm like, Brian, I think you're going to be on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> it was awesome. Because sometimes Brian was like in a, 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 for a while, like feeling like, well, maybe not feeling, but seeming like an unsung hero, right? He really was like, he really did have the staying power and did create such a strong stability for the family, you know, and was there as a rocket at a lot of times. So it was nice for people to be like, oh, Brian, you're so awesome. <laughs> so you had spoke a little bit about like how it got recorded and then breaking for like COVID and editing it. And then, so can you talk a little bit about what it was like to actually air the movie with the, to the family or with the family or how that even happened and what their reaction was? Yes, that was really emotional. Like it was emotional for me and it was emotional for them. I mean, I think for me, I kept wondering at what stage to share it. And it was funny, I had hired um, an aftercare um, specialist who is basically like a therapist to allow the family to have someone who deals with um, specifically with people who have said that they're going to be in films or in TV programs to help them through that process of what is it like while you're waiting and what is it like afterward when it's coming into the world. Because I wanted to be sensitive to how they might be feeling. And he was, it was interesting because he was one of the people I was advised many times, do not show um, the family the film before the film is more baked. Because then would it change what was honestly like the vision. And that was really, I mean, I went back and forth on that from an emotional standpoint because we had like, we collaborated so much throughout the process of making the film. Like, so it felt, that felt like a challenge of trying to decide when was the right time. One family member wanted to see it sooner. One family member wanted to see it later. One family member didn't want to see it. Da, da, da. So like making sure it was right for everyone was hard and I knew I had to embrace the fact that whatever we do, it might not be perfect. It's with anything, right? Everybody's gonna try their best and walk forward with love and I'm hoping that we get it right, but we might not. But what we did do is we um, wound up showing um, four of the five family members did a screening at the same time. Um, Linda, Brian, Stephen, and Nicole saw the film at the same time. Um, I invited them to bring therapists or close friends or somebody that they could, if they, if they wanted. And um, for me, I was really moved because they all loved it so much. Um, I also then showed the, um, the kid's biological father because even though he doesn't appear in the film, we filmed him also. And, um, you know, his history was shared in the film. So I wanted to show it to him before the film came out in the world, which was also very controversial. People were like, don't show it beforehand. But like, I didn't think it was right. Um, so, you know, we talked about like, how do we want to honor everybody? So sh we showed him the film and I think he was, happy with the film too. So that felt good. Um, the last person to see the film was Christopher. You know, he was struggling for part of the time. So um, for him, it was a matter of how he would feel seeing himself and was it too soon for him to see himself? And, and um, 
what would feel right to him. So I think we just waited and sent a link to him and a therapist that he was working with so he could watch it and have someone to immediately speak with. Um, but yeah, it was complicated, but it was really a relief when everybody felt good about it and felt proud and felt proud about it. Like I do think to this day, sometimes um, Nicole at some of our screenings won't watch the film. I think she feels like it's hard for her to see a version of herself that she doesn't love. But at the same time, sometimes she likes to watch it. She's expressed because she likes the reminder of what she doesn't want to go back to. So I think it's, um, you know, it's personal for, for everyone. And we just tried to stay sensitive and be supportive as much as we could. Yeah, I just want to like, honestly, commend you and your team and the thoughtfulness in which you handled this family in such a very vulnerable position in their lives because other people could have done it differently. And um, I think that respect that you had for them and their story is very clear in how it was and how you thought about all of that. And that I really appreciate that because um, as we know, people do things and have these ideas and these projects and it ends up violating the family more than it supports them. And you've really thought about all of that. So thank you from someone who, you know, has been through difficult times that you held that family in such a way. I really, you know, I really appreciate that to see that and role model that. Oh, thank you. I mean, to me, this was never about, it's funny because it, it really was, I like, I really genuinely care about the family. So it just was like an easy, I think, extension of caring for them. And I had never worked in film before, like all the other films you mentioned that I've gotten involved with, I got involved with them after we started filming our own film. So like, it was never like a oh, great, <laughs> films where it's, um, this is my work and da, da, da. Like it was really just following a river after this started and after seeing like, wow, like look at change that can happen both with people that are in films and also people seeing films. It, it really was just a, I, I'm telling you, it's just a very strange, I don't know what you guys believe in, but it's a very strange, like God-driven journey. Like it's so, it's bizarre. Um but it's it's felt like a blessing to have been a part of it and um and to know them that's amazing thank you so much yeah thank you so one last thing i just you've mentioned it a couple times and just out of curiosity do you want to talk a little bit about your children's books because they sound like they're not typical children's books in like the you know princess fairy tale like kind of thing it sounds like they have some real amazing substance to them. Uh, well, they're, it's simple. I mean, I think with anything, when you guys had asked me about um, the work, like, you know, for me, all, my life's work hopefully will continue to be about how can we make people, families, and, and the next gen kids stronger? Like, that's for me what I love. Like, just asking that question and is it that we need conversations? Is it that we need films that show, like, you know, show a, an alternative to maybe a way you live so you can, you know, learn more, be compassionate or whatever. And with my children's books, they're the great big feeling series or most of them. And in them really, 
I spot a different feeling. I, there's like way past mad and way past jealous and way past worried. And, and really it's how can you have an everyday situation where a kid feels mad, like in way past mad, this little girl's brother's messing up her room and he's cutting a hole in her sock. And it's like all these like normal things that happen before you leave for school. And, and then she takes it out on her friend. And then she's trying, she's trying to feel better. And then like, you know, she trips and falls on the sidewalk. So like, just when you're trying to deal with emotions and like, what can you do to help yourself manage them and to make yourself stronger? So that's really what the series is all about. And it's also showing like, sometimes when you feel a great big emotion, it can be layered. Like you can be like both happy and mad and worried all at the same time, but how can you still be brave and keep moving even when you're having those feelings, you know? So that to me is, is, is really like, that's the series. And then I have a couple of one-off um, books also that are about situ feel, uh, situations where you'd have great big feelings. I have a book with um, a child that grows up with a lot of um, yelling in his home and he tries to be, like become the commander of his own quiet ship. And I have a book with a, a little girl who's dealing with um, some more like aggressive behavior in, in the home and, you know, how can she see herself as the strongest thing instead of, instead of somebody who's acting like they're strong, but might not be. So really just how to empower kids and families. Thanks for asking. Wow, Haley. Oh my gosh. And you, you're just amazing. You're an amazing human being. You're empowering women in recovery. Um, and I'm, a, I'm just, I'm really excited to have met you tonight and just thank you so much for all the work that you've done guys. for the exposure that you have brought to this world, this addiction. And, um, and you definitely have made that family stronger and you've made us stronger tonight and I'm sure our listeners. So just keep doing it. And thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me and, and shout out to Linda, Brian, Nicole, Steven, and Christopher yeah. for, uh, just uh, saying yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Hallie. Um, we very, very, very much appreciated this conversation and having you on. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's time to wrap up, but um, hopefully everybody out there will um, go and see the film, Our American Family. Um, it's, it's, you can find it available, like, Hallie said on and I said in the introduction <laughs> um Apple TV and AMC plus and Amazon and there was a couple of other places and you can actually go to the website right Hallie it's ouramericanfamily.com and it'll American give you the Family links film yeah film yeah sorry film yeah yes that yeah that you can um watch the, find out where to watch it um and we'll have all of those links available for you as well so um Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. And um, as a reminder, you can all find us the Four Sober Chicks on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, or you can watch us on YouTube. So thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much, Bye Haley. Thanks. Bye ladies. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.